second lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 53. Hear the word of the Lord. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses The prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, some of you know, um, actually probably everybody knows, that uh, in our church we have a preschool that meets downstairs uh, during the week. And many of you have had children that have been a part of that uh, preschool experience. Um, And as I had the lovely opportunity to have a conversation with teacher Lauren this week, she shared with not just me, but a group of folks about what it was like for her when she was first beginning her work as an early childhood educator. And she said that when she entered the world of early childhood education, that most often uh, she was talked about as a babysitter. So this was about 25 years ago in the world of early childhood education. And um, she put together, or maybe was somehow able to fashion a t-shirt that said, um, I am not a babysitter, I have not sat on a baby yet. (laughs) Which I thought was a fantastic response um, in the face of some of these labels. And I thought that this was a lovely insight into so much that we often have to encounter and to navigate within the course of our culture. And often what happens is that we work with those things in terms of labeling, we create policies that help us to mitigate some of those things. But the question is, what are really those things? What are the things that we're really working with when we kind of create these labels around roles that we maybe have some element of discomfort with and we're afraid to say it, so we end up naming that person a babysitter. The marginalization of the role that is traditionally occupied by women is not 
the only thing that we see within the course of our culture that deals with this issue of reframing the labels. There's also the invisibility of those that take care of the most vulnerable within our culture. If you think about folks who are living in homes where there is constant support needed, many of those workers who are within that space are women. And so we offer labels and we try to create policy and education and podcasts that work to kind of get at this issue and to create more support. But the heart of what I want to sort of explore this morning, the question that I'm really asking, and that I feel like maybe it's the job of the church to ask, is how do we think about the feminine? How do we think about the feminine? I know that in some ways we've beat this question to the ground, and maybe some of you are feeling like, oh my gosh, I've been talking about this for years. I am tired of this conversation. For sure, feminism has had its victories to mixed opinions with mixed results, right? And right now, we would all consider ourselves to be somewhat in the era of equality. We recognize, all of us here, that women have come a long way in the last 50 years. And yet, we also recognize that even in the year 2018, that this quest for equity still exists, that it still stands, that it still needs legs within our culture. Some of you know that in a country within our world, women were only recently allowed allowed to drive. In Pakistan, girls receive only a third grade education. And not all women within that country are even able to read. In the United States, an NFL football player often makes a six-figure salary. And do you know how much money an NFL cheerleader makes? Minimum wage. So there are obviously many different ideas that we can have around that, but the reality is, is that those things still exist and they still stand even within 2018. And I know these things and you know these things. And the question that I have for us today is why? Why do we have such an uncomfortable relationship with the feminine? Why does it make us nervous when we see girls walking around with short shorts and yet we see a group of boys playing basketball with their shirts off and we don't blink an eye? There's a discrepancy, isn't there? And even those of us who have worked our whole lives for equity and equality have to recognize that we're still not there. I want to note two things that I see in our text today and bring them into this conversation. The first thing that I want to note and that I want to be very honest about is that every player in the text today is male. If you went ahead and go back to reread it, what you'll see is that from Jesus 
to the disciples, to Moses, to the prophets, to the writers of the Psalms, and then even Jesus offers us this language. I am sending upon you what my Father, right? That's the language that he uses, what my Father has promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And when we have a text that offers us very little in the way of concrete female leadership, very little in the way of concrete female examples, very little in the way of concrete female language, sometimes what can happen accidentally is that we end up running the risk of getting our ideas of God mixed up into this, right? We accidentally start to think that God is male. We accidentally start to think that God is patriarchal. We accidentally start to think that God is part and parcel of this whole thing and that perhaps even, and I have thought this myself, I just want to be completely honest, perhaps even that God has designed the male to be superior in some way. Have you ever thought this, maybe in your off moment? I need to let you know that I have. But the second thing that I want to notice about this text is about the actions that Jesus takes, about the flow of Jesus' work, about the way that Jesus spends his time, about the result of his actions, And what I want to notice is that actually what's happening is radically feminine. What Jesus does is he brings his disciples together and he brings them this great sharing of their history and their identity. He links them to their family story. He brings them back into the folks who would have been the storytellers of the culture. And he's talking about Moses, the prophets, and the writers of the Psalms. But what's he really doing? He's building their identity together. He's passing on their story. And then after he does that, after he shares with them who they are and what their story is, what does he do? He commands them to stay where they are until they have everything that they need for success. And then he blesses them, extending out his hands so that as they move forward, that they can move forward in celebration and success. And as I look at the actions of Jesus... What I see are the actions of a caregiver. They're the actions of a child advocate, of an educator, of a mother, of a nurturer. Jesus equips the disciples in such a way that they don't just have what they need, but that they know who they are. And then he sends them into their work 
knowing that they need something in order to be successful. He cannot send them in alone. Stay here, he says, until you have what? Been clothed with power from on high. So tucked away, even in all of this male imagery and language about God, is this very powerful metaphor where Jesus says, stay here until you have been clothed with power from on high. To be clothed, to be dressed, to be attended to, This is an image of the great feminine side of God. The side of God that carefully nurtures and attends and waits and wipes and smooths. The side of God that actually clothes people for empowerment. And then Jesus brings them to a place out, not too far, he says, but just out to Bethany. And even while he is leaving, he is then blessing his disciples, offering his very self for their well-being and giving them everything that they need up until the very end, not for anything else other than joy. That's what he wants to see them go into, joy and celebration. That's the point. And that's what they go forth into after this moment and that encounter with him. And so, friends, sometimes I wonder not about the ability of Scripture to actually offer us images of the feminine, but I sometimes wonder instead if we have the capacity to hear it. Do we have the space carved out within us to notice it, to celebrate it, and even to model our lives after it. Friends in here who are not women, who are men, when you see that Jesus has offered this image to clothe, does that then give you an invitation to find a different side of what it means to be masculine? I wonder. The work of mothering is, after all, holy work. And it's not limited to females. Just as the work of fathering is not limited to fathers. Biology matters, of course, and we cannot deny that. But theology matters, too. And theology drives us and empowers us and enlightens us to understand the complexity of what it means to be human in such a way that we do not privilege one part over another, that we do not put one piece over another, but instead we celebrate the way that the different pieces come together in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the beauty of the incarnation. It has always been our history. This is nothing new, whether we realize it or not. 
We have always believed from the very beginning as the church that the maleness of Jesus is inclusive of the female. Otherwise, women in the early church would not have been people who were saved, nor would they have been people who were leaders. There would have been a biological divide. And what we can note through history is that that did not happen. It did not even begin to happen. And so from the very beginning, the church has always understood the maleness of Jesus to be fully inclusive of the female body. There have always been women leaders within the church. The maleness of Jesus has always been radically inclusive of all humanity, and yet still that has not been the driving point in this conversation for the church. We have the ability to lead the world in some ways because we've had this as part of our ancient story. So friends, I wonder how we can invite this story into the different conversations that we see within our own lives. I wonder for men how this impacts the way that you understand what it means to be a man and for women who are not mothers, for ways that we can all embrace the holy work of mothering and nurturing one another. Because as anybody who's stuck in biology knows, we cannot do it alone. There is no mother who can be everything that a mother is meant to be. Just as there is no father who can be everything that a father is meant to be. The person of Jesus Christ being radically inclusive of both of these parts gives us the ability to let our theology lead us as we all participate in a body in this very holy work. And why does this even matter? Because remember the story that I told you about Teacher Lauren. The way that we understand the feminine has an impact on how we see its value within the world. The way that we understand the feminine has an impact on how we place its value within the world. Think about the difference in language between a babysitter and an educator. Or early childhood education and support versus childcare. And right now, the world is in desperate need of the many ways that we can all engage in the feminine. What does it mean to be a nurturer? The one who gathers, the one who equips, the one who sends, the one who blesses in joy? Friends, based on our text today, that's what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. 
Let us move forward into that joyfully. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you have given us so much in yourself, and yet we are so limited in what we are able to see. Open our eyes. Help us to see and to celebrate and to place value on the hidden places of our world and help us to see you there. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.